Do you ever feel torn between wanting to live that doctor lifestyle and wanting to pay off your student debt? Well, you're definitely not alone. Welcome to the White Coat Academy podcast, your source for all things personal and professional development as a new healthcare provider. Join me, Dr. Emily Funk Reynolds, as we navigate the challenges young doctors face in treating patients today and work to better ourselves beyond our clinical care. It can be tempting to really want to upgrade your lifestyle once you are out and practicing, but you have this big student loan debt weighing over you. So this week on the podcast, I caught up with Dr. Disha Spath of the Frugal Physician blog, and she is an internal medicine MD who took an aggressive approach to paying off her student loan debt with her husband by becoming educated about her personal finances and really taking steps to cut back their spending, and she was able to pay off her student loan debt. My favorite thing about Dr. Spath is that she makes living frugally seem attainable and not miserable like you might think. So listen in to hear her perspective. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am joined today by Dr. Disha Spath. Welcome. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Um, I know we have a lot of great stuff to cover, so I'm just going to jump right into it. You kind of didn't necessarily start out your early career living so frugally, um, but you made the decision to tighten up your lifestyle and commit to really paying off your loans aggressively. Um, But to outsiders, you were, you know, living the doctor life and you looked like you had plenty of money, were doing just fine. So what was it for you that kind of prompted that shift in your mindset? That's a really good question. It was probably, actually, I know exactly what it was. My, um, I had had my second child. My first child and the maternity leave with my first child was relatively painless because it was the end of my residency and before I started my first job. Um, and I still had kind of the residency benefits and my husband had benefits, so it didn't hurt us as much. But my second job, uh, second uh, pregnancy, I was the only one working. My husband was in school and um, we had the student loan bills coming in and uh, no income because I had no maternity um, benefits at that time. So uh, that job. So um, it was like two months of kind of stressing about money and, uh, you know, wishing I had the means to spend more time with my baby. And that was kind of the breaking time, uh, breaking point for me where I was like, you know, this is nice and all, but I don't want to do this again. You know, like it's nice to have that two months. uh, We made it and it was fine, but it was stressful. And I didn't want to be in that stressful position again where I needed to worry about cash flow. And I was like, you know what, let's just um, change some things. And I want to get out of, at least get rid of the student debt and, and then go from there. So, yeah, I mean, I think a big thing for you, it seems like, was your student debt and trying yeah. to make a significant debt in that pretty aggressively. So was it, I mean, you don't have to pay off, you paid ahead on your debt. So what kind of made you make that choice versus, you know, carrying your loans for a little bit longer, certainly not defaulting on them, um, yeah. 
but carrying the payments versus being more aggressive about getting rid of your debt. Right. So there were several, the decision was multifaceted and I think it's different for everyone. So everyone shouldn't feel like they have to pay off their debt in order to be financially successful. But for me, I had, um, I had a, a private practice job that was not for a non-for-profit, so I would not have qualified for public service loan forgiveness. If I'd been going for that, I wouldn't have paid it off aggressively, obviously. I would have tried to minimize the payments. But um, I was in standard repayment with Fed Loan Servicing, which was driving me insane. Like for... Um, I felt like I was on the phone with them all the time. Like <laughs> half my life was talking to people that would give me like different answers to oh, for stuff, you know? And like most of the time they didn't know what they were talking about mm -hmm. and blah, blah. So, and I, I did um, apply for uh, the, I think there's some sort of income uh, thing that you can file for for maternity leave. Like if you're the only uh, earner and you are not having any income, you should be able to get some sort of deferment. But I applied for it and didn't get it. And by the time I didn't get it, it was already two months into my maternity leave. Like that's when they gave me the mm. notice, you know? So I was yeah. just like, what am I doing? This is so <laughs> annoying, <laughs> you know? And so, and then by the time, you know, I got that notice, we were, I was back working, so whatever. But I was just done. Um, I was done dealing with it. And uh, for me, I because I was in standard repayment um, and PSLF wasn't an option, um, it was just a hit on my cash flow every month. You know, it was $2,500 every month. Um, and I was just eager to be rid of it. And so was my husband. And we didn't feel like we could make progress and make money work for us and earn interest if we were paying so much interest. You know, at that point I had not refinanced and I was, um, I was at six to 8% interest and that's like ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year just in interest. Mm -hmm. Um and uh so and you know you didn't really I didn't feel like I was making a dent in it at all. So um we decided, you know what, we I'm tired of paying interest to other people and I'm ready to start earning interest, making my money make me money. Um, and so like let's just make things happen. Let's let's get frugal and like pay this stuff off. So it was almost like kind of hanging over you and you just wanted to check that box, be done with that so that you can start making other choices with your money. And yeah, money and life. Cause I felt like it was holding me back as well. Like choices wise, um, because I was, uh, because it was a standard repayment and, um, without any kind of, uh, any kind of hope for forgiveness. Um, I felt like for 10 years I was going to be stuck making those payments. And as long as I was paying $2,500 a month, I couldn't really cut back my hours. I couldn't really design my life. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like it was um, limiting the kind of contracts I had to take and the job decisions that I had to make because of money, you know, and I wanted to that, that not to be the case anymore. So, um, and you know, once I've paid off my debt, it really did open up my mind to like, okay, well, I was working like seven on seven off as a hospitalist being kind of, it was a very tough job um, and uh, high patient loads and uh, high stress and, you know, very, it was seven days off, but those seven days on were horrendous. Um, so I uh, wanted something with more balance, something with more uh, predictable schedule. And I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to have like a normal person life <laughs> where I could actually see my kids for half my life, you know, the other half of my life. So, um, and once I paid off my debt, I was able to design that. And now I'm working three days a week um, 
eight to five and, you know, no nights, no uh, weekends only if I want to pick up extra shifts, but it's just, it's a much more balanced life. And I feel like I was able to do that because I didn't have that um, debt hanging over my head. Right. Just gives you the freedom to kind of make your own choices. Exactly. I mean, I didn't even actually take a salary hit, but I was, I was prepared to do so mentally, you know, and financially, like we had the cash flow that we had, we didn't have to worry about me cutting back my hours or cutting back my salary, but it turned out that I didn't need to. And so, and just being, just having that power of thinking, and you know, some of it, some of it is mindset that, you know, you, you, you don't, uh, after I was not encumbered by that feeling of being trapped, I was able to do what I was wanting to do. So yeah, and that's make, awesome. the, make the life I wanted. <laughs> Thank you. So, okay. So you made this choice that you were going to, mm-hmm. you know, really hunker down on your loans and live more frugally. Did mm-hmm. you, was it kind of like a gradual transition in terms of cutting things out or were you like all of a sudden all in, you know, it was gradual. Initially, we were like, um, we, we wanted to turn things around. Um, and we started by keeping track uh, and actually writing down what we owed and what interest rate and making a plan um, and what we wanted to pay off first. And, you know, so we started with the, lo- the smallest um, debts and then we worked up to the student loans. So first we had two cars to pay off. We kind of did that initially because um, first of all, they were smaller and more achievable, <laughs> you know, and then once we paid off the car, that payment could, the payment of $500 or whatever that was going towards that car could go into the next loan and knock that one out faster. So that's kind of what we did. We, we tackled a, we did a debt snowball. That technique is called a debt snowball. Mm-hmm. We go for the smallest loan rather than the highest interest rate and just, um, start knocking it out and start building your confidence. And really that was, I really felt like I was bad with money. You know, when we started, I feel like we were bad with money, me and my husband. And as we both um, made progress, we both gained um, confidence, you know, and, uh, and that really helped move things along faster and faster and faster and, you know, made the snowball work for us. So since you kind of mentioned, you know, before you were bad with money, is there anything that you think you could have done differently now looking back on it when you were, say, in medical school or in residency when you were just taking out all of these loans? and? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> I wish. Okay, there's so many things. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> I wish I had not taken out so much debt. <laughs> You know, I, uh, I, I did go to a state school and that was a good choice, but, um, and I didn't take out any undergrad loans, but I still had 200,000 by the time I was done. Um, and I took a year off where I forbeared on the loans. Um, and so all of that interest compounded when I took the year off too. So anyway, so some bad moves there. Like I could, I could have taken out less. Uh, I took out the maximum they allowed for my school which thankfully wasn't a horrendous amount, but still I could have lived more frugally in residency. Um, and taking that year off, obviously it was an indulgence. Um, I, I, I was making money that year uh, working, but I didn't put anything towards the debt and I should have. Um, and I should have started a Roth IRA. <laughs> you know, so many things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like we don't really know about that stuff, right? When you're in your training and it's like, you're just trying to get through, you know, the next test and then your next rotation. And 
you know, kind of those larger goals aren't really on your mind. But then when you get there, you're like, oh, I wish I had just, you know, right. in a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think the mental block was that everybody, that I, I was under the impression that everything was going to be fine once I started working. Mm-hmm. Um, but what didn't click was when I started working, I'd be 30. And I was already 10 years behind everyone else my yes. age uh, financially. And I had a lot of catching up to do, you know. And I don't think people realize how much of a hole you're going to be in when you start in your 30s. By the time you get in your 40s, you're usually ahead or at least caught up to your peers that didn't do uh, these uh, pathways that require so much training. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, we start off behind. Um, and so we really need to think about, um, you know, what I didn't, what didn't click for me is that when you start off that much in debt, it takes a lot to get back ahead of the curve and have money make money for you. Like in order to get, even get there, free up the cash flow, it's going to take a few years, you know, unless you really, hunker down and like how we did, you know, we just kind of paid it off and, um, and we were kind of free of it within four years of residency or finishing residency. Um, so, or you could try to game the system and not game the system. Sorry. That's the wrong thing to say. Uh, but you should, you could try to play by the rules and make them, you know, come to your advantage by, by minimizing your loan payments and maximizing PSLF, but you really have to be very careful that, that you don't spend all your money in that process, you know, and you actually have to save it (laughs) (laughs) still. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I know you kind of mentioned like you're 10 years behind everybody else. So you're behind in savings, but you're also kind of behind in like lifestyle, right? So, you know, a lot of our, peers who maybe just graduated from undergrad and have been working are now at more substantial income because they've been working for almost 10 years and Mm -hmm. you know they're starting to have like nicer things in life because they can afford them Mm -hmm. and I think that's what makes it even more difficult to kind of say okay you know now I'm no longer in training I'm Mm -hmm. finally making a salary but still I can't necessarily spend the way that my peers are spending right and that's such a tough a tough pill to swallow yeah you know, because um there's so much delayed gratification there you know and uh and it doesn't have to be that i can't have everything they have it's just that we have to be mindful of the fact that they've had 10 years of compounding interest working in their favor and they've had 401ks that have been building and we haven't, you know, um, uh, or uh, when we're in training, we, most people haven't, if they haven't started a Roth IRA. So, um, so just be mindful of the fact and then be intentional. You know, that's really all I ask. Uh, that's kind of what I preach on my blog is just be intentional. Um, no judgment if you want to buy a Peloton. You know, no judgment if you want to invest in, uh, or uh, I hate that word when, <laughs> when you talk about spending, I guess. Uh, when you, if you want to buy something that is truly, you know, something that's going to be bring value to you and make you happy, then do it. But just don't, uh, be mindful of the other ways that you're spending, you know, and that's kind of how we were. Um, we were spending just willy nilly all the time, um, kind of, you know, uh, Amazon and Starbucks and and eating out and vacations and stuff and all the other luxuries, you know. So 
it, we weren't making any progress. And once we started just controlling and optimizing our finances, um, slowly, little by little, we started making progress. And it was, it was one of, one of those, like I said, just a confidence building, building things where it's gotten to the point where we're, I feel like pretty, um, uh, streamlined with our expenses now, which is nice. So what were kind of some of the things that you did early on to cut down your spending? Was it more like fixed costs or cutting out some of that like discretionary spending, like going out to eat or a combination of both? So, uh, so we started back, we started with the concept of the aggregation of marginal gains that we could make small progress in many different facets of our budget and it would add up to more than just a sum of what we had cut back. So what I mean by that is um, we started cutting back very small amounts in all the areas that we were spending, mostly fixing on fixed costs. So first, I felt like the fixed cost was the easiest to change and less, at least mental stress because we only had to make that change once and then the savings would be automated right the rest of the time and so so things like cable and cell phones and um even housing um cars things like that are pretty easy once you make the decision to get frugal to sustain that because it's basically automatic at that point it's um once you pay off your cars and hopefully they're not breaking down um but you don't have that uh that uh, monthly you know payment so that's a fixed savings. Once you cut back, you know, we cut back from cable to cutting the cord and just streaming and we started saving like $100, $200 a month. Um, And we switched our cell phone plan. So we're saving another $100 a month there, you know. So all those little savings compound over time because you get more interested in lifestyle manipulation and finding hacks and like finding ways not to spend money once you get in that mindset of, you know, is this really worth it? Or am I just spending because it's convenient, you know? And is there a better way? Um, and so once we get into that compounding kind of mindset of, of frugality, then it, you just end up saving a lot more than you had planned. So, um, and, and you know, and the, the cutting back to the discretionary, the discretionary spending, like going out to eat and that kind of stuff wasn't really our plan. Um, we didn't want to because, you know, that's what made life good for us, you know, right, yeah. <laughs> but we did make the decision to cut back on like buying merchandise. Like I was buying merchandise on Amazon all the time. So, you know, I had to give myself a budget. <laughs> so addicting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Target. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, which side story, we just went to Target. Like I don't allow myself to go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> Like if I'm going, then I have to order it and pick it up. Like I cannot go browse because I buy everything. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good trick. <laughs> <laughs> well, but today my kids, I'm trying to teach them how to manage money, and uh, so they have their uh, piggy banks. My three year old and five year old boys, and um, they decided they wanted to spend the money and buy toys with their piggy bank money because it's, it's pretty full. So anyway, but my um, five year old has been working to. Um, earn money you know by making his bed and stuff and my three-year-old just wasn't getting it so my five-year-old had like 24 dollars, and my three-year-old had 12 dollars. and going to target and trying to make them stick to their budget was like (laughs) one of the hardest things i've ever done (laughs) 
I'm so exhausted, <laughs> but I'm very proud that my, my three-year-old really wanted this mini phone that was like $2 over his budget. And I really wanted to get it for him, but I was like, you know what? Like I got to teach him the right yeah. thing, you know? <laughs> Start those <laughs> skills early. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, Liam, but it's out of your budget and uh, you got to pick something else. And, you know, he did. He put it back without crying and he picked something Aww. else. And <laughs> but it was uh, mentally taxing. <laughs> well, I'm sure he will thank you later when he's an adult and he can manage his money. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope I'm building some good habits. Hopefully it's not like they're feeling deprived, but we'll see. <laughs> No, no. They won't remember that trip to Target. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my biggest thing is like, I don't want anyone in my family uh, to feel deprived. Um, and finding the balance between frugality and still enjoying life is, is a, you know, difficult thing to balance. But I think it is a balance that can be had if you're intentional. Yeah, I mean, the whole kind of point of it, right, is to give yourself that financial freedom so that you can have a lifestyle that is not so ruled by what your finances are going to be in the future. So if you just think of it as a, not to be too punny, but an investment <laughs> in your future lifestyle and your future happiness, it's it's just learning to be okay with that delayed gratification, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, yeah, just having the long view of things it helps because, um, you know, I don't want to be poor in retirement, <laughs> you know, exactly. and I don't want my, my, uh, more immediately, I don't want my choices to be limited because of money. So like my big choices, I'd rather limit my little choices, I guess, if that makes sense, you know, um, the stuff that doesn't hurt as much, but like, if I want to be able to go to my son's basketball game in the future or whatever soccer game, you know, like I want to be able to be like, listen, I need to cut back my schedule this way or that way. And I don't have to worry about, um, you know, can we afford to not get paid for whatever, you know, like what if I get fired? Like I want to be able to have the security to know that my family will have means to support themselves, whether I'm working or not, you know, and I can devise my life and my, my work schedule to, um, to, meet the needs of my family and my needs and the needs of my patient patients, you know, and have strong boundaries or be able to exert those boundaries because I'm not worrying about money. That's where I want to be. So that's what I'm working towards. Yeah, I think that's awesome. But I think part of it though, is that maybe it's not such a common mindset, I think, especially for doctors mm -hmm. and and people who aren't doctors who have this perception about doctors and what they should be like and what they should have. So what was kind of the response to other people in your life, be it doctor peers or just like your friends um, mm -hmm. and family when you started to kind of shift your lifestyle? Yeah, the biggest thing that we did was we downsized our housing. And, you know, that like people didn't really notice what we were doing until we did that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of several, several months into our snowball. Like we started with just small stuff and then we paid off the cars and then we moved into a, we went from a 2000 square foot place to like a 1200 square foot place. And we went from owning a nice house on an island to renting a house uh, next to the hospital, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where I could walk. Um, so that was interesting. I think some people in our lives thought that, you know, like 
something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there's always that perception that people think you're not doing as well at your job or something because you don't have, because people judge each other by the house size of the house right, right. that you have. And, um, and we just sort of had to get over that. Like for us, we knew where, how we were doing and, you know, we were like, we don't really have anything to prove to anyone else. Um, and I'm Punjabi and like my, my uh, ethnicity, like my, uh, the Punjabis are known to be showy and like all about the looks of how you're living, (laughs) you know? So that was a big mental block (laughs) that I had to get over. Um, It did help that I didn't know anyone in the new town that we moved to when we downsized. Um, It was my husband's hometown. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) did you feel like like you were depriving yourself or were you able to kind of keep that end goal in mind the whole time? Like, did you ever have days where you were like, oh, I just really want, you know, to buy whatever thing? I'm sure there were days like that. Okay. Um, but I didn't really feel that too much, honestly. Okay. I'm not really like, I guess, honestly, I wasn't, I, I was pretty motivated. Josh and I were very like, we were keeping track of our paying down our loans. We were visualizing a debt and we were really into the snowball. And, um, and we were taking out, like we had a jar of macaronis with $238,000 worth of depicted macaronis, like one macaroni for thousands of 238 macaronis. We were taking that out and uh, each month, you know, together as a family and like making that progress um, every month and like congratulating each other. It was, it was very, um, it was a very positive emotional experience. So I don't really, I didn't really feel like we were being deprived. I didn't feel like I was being deprived. So it seems kind of like, you know, just from hearing you talk about it and, you know, the things that you have to say, it seems like when you started to see the progress that you were making, it kind of became not like fun, but gratifying and that it made you want to do more and what else you could do to, you know, get rid of that macaroni faster and yeah, yeah, it, it totally gamifies it. Yeah, um, and also it really built up our confidence in money management, and um, and so while we were paying down debt and while we were cutting back, I was we were also reading, you know, learning about investing and real estate and all this stuff that we wanted to get into in the future, especially after we had, you know, the, the cash flow free up from the student loans and the debt snowball. We wanted we had plans of what we were going to do next, so we were researching that, you know, and. Um, and we're still doing that. Like we're always thinking about the next step and like, how can we do that? Well, and so anyway, so it just became like a, was a very, uh, it was an identity shift almost, you know, like I'm bad with money to, I think I can be good with money, you know, and we can make progress and let's continue to make the right decisions and keep going forward. So now that we've paid off our debt and we're working towards, uh, we had one rental property. We could have um, sold that rental property and knocked out the debt uh, initially, but we decided to keep it around because we had the bigger plan of being real estate investors. So we're um, now we're uh, about to grow from one to two rental properties and hopefully we'll be growing from then on, you know? So now that you, you know, have paid down your debt, are Mm -hmm. you changing your daily lifestyle it sounds like you're putting some of that money into you know another property 
But have you made any changes in like the way that you're living since then? Um, We have inflated the lifestyle a little bit, but not to the point where like we are. So we went from that rental to a back to a doctor sized house. But um, we went to when we bought a house, we went to like a 3000 instead of a 4000 square foot Mm -hmm. house. Like I really wanted the 4000. Like I wanted (laughs) this 4000 square foot house with like over a lake that had like this amazing view. But you know what? I talked myself out of that. I was like, listen, (laughs) that is so much lifestyle inflation. You can't do that. So um, but now we're like in a suburb, suburb and it's a comfortable house, you know, and it's like a doctor neighborhood. But um, but because we have made uh, so much progress from the cash flow side by not having other debt, that we can still continue to make the progress that we want to make financially, and we can still hit our goals that we've set for us. And that's that was kind of our you know uh, beacon when we were making the choices. Okay, so our goal was we want to you know hit one million by forty, and we want to hit financial independence by forty five. Um, uh, my age, my husband's two years younger. So he'll hit it two years younger, (laughs) but you know, so we want to, we have those goals and as long as we can meet those, then we can, you know, uh, inflate our lifestyle up to that point. And so it it feels like a more measured, more, uh, intentional inflation. Yeah. But it sounds like you still have some kind of frugal habits that will stay with you. Like how you mentioned, you know, you don't let yourself go to target unless you (laughs) buy ahead of time and pick up. Yeah, I realized like a lot of that spending makes me more stressed out than anything else, you know? And so, yeah, we've definitely still maintained the frugal hacks that we have done so far. And like recently I switched over from um, paper products to cloth products in the kitchen and, you know, just to try to save more money just because number one, it's frugal and number two, it's environmentally sound, you know? Um, And so I think frugality and being environmentally conscious tend to go hand in hand. And I kind of, I like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So we continue to make shifts and, and decisions that are more frugal based just because, you know, just because it's the right thing to do, we feel like as well. And it's good for our finances and helps us reach our goals faster. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So since, you know, our audience is kind of geared towards younger doctors and people starting out early in their career, maybe some people still in residency, do you have any advice for someone in that stage of life in terms of, you know, what to do moving forward? And maybe they're thinking, oh, you know, maybe I go to Starbucks too often or something like that. Like <laughs> what would be kind of the first things that you would recommend to somebody when they want to start shifting that mindset? So uh, listening to podcasts such as this is a great idea because you just sort of get the introduction to the mindset. But if you really, I feel like, want to make it, and blogs are great. I mean, obviously, write blogs. But um, I think the best thing to do as a student, you're good at reading books. Like, read a book just from finish to end about finances. And there are several of them out there now where that will set, just break it down for you exactly what you need to do. You know, there are a lot of books out there that will do that now. Um, And just invest that time if you can, like over Christmas break or Thanksgiving break, you know, where you, where school is not as bad um, and get to know that. And just once you get that overview and uh, kind of know what you're supposed to be doing as an attending, it's easy 
then to make the choices that you need to make. So choices, choice number one being come up with a student loan plan. If you're going to be um, in uh, debt when you get out, then you need to have a plan set before you start making that first attending paycheck. Because after you make that first attending paycheck and after you have that first year of attending salary, your W-2 changes. So if you're trying to do PSLF and minimize your payments, it's too late at that point. So you mm-hmm. got to have a plan beforehand and um, and know which kind of what the plans are. You know, you really need to know the ins and outs of student loans. If you're going to have them and manage them correctly because calling the servicer is not going to give you the answer <laughs> half the time. <laughs> It's just so, a lot of time on hold. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then conflicting information. So yeah. seriously, like don't, uh, yeah, like you got to learn that. Okay. If you're going to have student loans. And number two, um, start with, you could either start with meeting with a financial planner or uh, reading one of these books that will tell you exactly what you need to do. Disability insurance, get that set up early on, you know, life insurance, just get insured and protect your family if you have one. Um, and then start to think about investing and start that 401k and read about compounding interest and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then it'll all, it'll all be fine from there. But the step one is just get an overview initially at your, uh, at, um, uh, someone who's in training. If you have an overview, at least you have a starting point. Um, and you won't feel so lost when you get out as an attending like I did. Yeah. So basically just having some kind of idea of what, general finances should look like and that kind of will help you develop a plan for how you can get to that point right yeah and I think it's having honest conversations with yourself I know it's hard when you're training because it's hard to even see like what life is going to be like when you're out of training because there's so many different options Mm -hmm. but having some sort of an idea of like when you might want to retire and um uh, how you want your life to look when you get out of training and making five, 10, 20 year goals it really helps you get kind of uh, the laser vision that you need to move towards your financial goals. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think this has been, you know, a great introduction, like you said, and you've made frugal living not seem so so scary. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, you know, I think you are a success story, right? So you're showing Thank us you. that it's possible and, you know, you don't have to be miserable to be frugal. You can just make small changes here and there and set yourself up for success in the future. So. Yes, exactly. It's not that hard when you once you start get going and I think everyone can do it and it's not a competition. Everyone has the same resources and we can all do it together. Um, and that's really what I would love to see is everyone kind of being set up financially and not being stressed out about money. And, uh, you know, I will link your blog at the end of today's show, but I encourage everybody to go check it out. Um, Dr. Spath has a lot of great tips there um, and just inspiration when you're you're feeling a little (laughs) discouraged. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, that's my goal. It's uh, there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You will get there. Just keep your, you know, keep your eye on the prize. I so enjoyed having Dr. Spath on the podcast, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation. For me, the biggest takeaway from her was that being frugal and budgeting doesn't have to be miserable. You can still 
enjoy your life, do things with your friends and family. It's really just about being smart about your decisions and cutting back in ways that you can without compromising your lifestyle too much so that ultimately in the future you can be in control of your own financial situation and lead a lifestyle that you want to. So like I mentioned, I will link her blog in the show notes. I highly recommend checking it out. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and give the podcast a rating, share it with your friends, and help us to reach as many young doctors as possible. All right, guys, I hope you have a great week, and I'll catch you in the next one. Thank you.